0: Welcome back to the University of Young Entrepreneurs. I'm Bernie C. Adams, and on today's show, we have Ryan Steumann, who is a CEO of Hardcore Closer, and he has a program, Break Free Academy. You're gonna learn sales today, and this guy knows his stuff. He is the true salesman, and he has a great story. He has a roller rollercoaster entrepreneurial story. He's been in jail twice. He's been rich, broke, rich, broke. He's had the ups and downs. He's gonna share with you what he's learned, how to sell and how to have success in business, he knows that out of anyone. And also what I really like is he said that the people that have the most success in sales, they talk less. They talk less and they listen more. And that's something you can take away from this. But he's going to show you how he's been able to build up a program where he sells $8,000 ticket spots to his events and upsells $30,000 spots and how he's selling his programs online and how to become a better salesman. Everybody needs to know how to sell. He's going to teach you how to sell in this program or this podcast show. Take a listen. You're going to love it. Let's jump right into it with Ryan Stuman. Let's get started. Welcome back to the University of Young Entrepreneurs. I'm Brandon T. Adams, and on today's show, we have Ryan Stuman. How's it going, buddy?
1: What's up, Brandon T., or do I call you Brandon T.? I like that, Brandon T. Sean T., the insanity guy, he's like, <laughs> cool, right? That's a cool name. Brandon T. is like, yo, what's up? I'm Brandon T. Welcome back to the show. Like
0: How you that. doing, man? I'm excited to jump into, I mean, you're the CEO of Hardcore Closer. You are the salesman. We are talking briefly before the show. I mean, you're doing a lot of different things here. And You know how to sell, but I want to go and dive into where you first got started, your first entrepreneur endeavor. Tell your story of how it led to where you are today because obviously a lot of people, they see people at the top, but they don't know where they first got started. They don't know the struggles. I want to hear that. So, Start from the beginning where you first got started, Ryan, and how it led you to where you are today.
1: Yeah. So, you know, like, uh, my, like most entrepreneurs, my first like attempt at entrepreneurism f- failed. Right. Yeah. And so, uh, I thought I'd be a drug dealer. Really. I, I my first, it was like, I was going to sell drugs and that's what I was going to do. And, uh, one day i would be like Al Pacino and Scarface and run the world. It was just a matter of time. Right. And, uh, I got to where I had about $200 to my name and I got in some trouble with the police and stuff like that. I ended up going to prison and so my first, like, uh, chance, uh, realistically, as an entrepreneurial, like, that I took the chance to end up going to prison. So it's probably, like, a worst case scenario that could happen for somebody, right? Yeah. And, but there was some some lessons, and I, and I actually spent uh, a few years after I was released from prison for the drugs, I actually spent uh, time trying to, you know, fight the entrepreneurial spirit. Like, I went and got a job, and I settled down, and I I worked for somebody else in sales, but I worked for somebody else. And, and, you know, and at that job, somebody, it was actually, I worked at a car wash and I was like, Hey, I'm going to do loser shit at a loser job. (laughs) be The car wash guy, right? Like, but somebody came to the car wash, a regular customer over and over again. And one day when this person arrived, she said, Hey, why don't you just come work for me? And I have been, remember, I have been spending all this time fighting the entrepreneurial spirit, right? She, and this was about 2003. She said, do not you come work for me? I own a mortgage company. You can come. You'd be self-employed. I didn't even know what the hell that meant at the time, right? <laughs> it's like, oh shit, does that mean I got to go to jail again, dude? No, yeah. I'm out, right? I've already been once. I'm not going again. And so uh, she says, you know, come work for me. You'd be self-employed. Teach how to do mortgages. You can make a million dollars a year. I'm like, whatever, lady. I just got out of prison. I'm a felon. Like, I don't even have a car payment. What are you talking about over here, right? She's like, I'll teach you. Like, just come. Under my wing, I'll teach you. You know, and she she did. She taught me how to uh, do mortgages, and, and I and I started my own branch. And then from there, I, I started a company that allowed me to pair up people who wanted to be a real estate investor with people who wanted to get rid of property that they had. And it was called Lifestyle Connections. Right, I was connecting people to the lifestyle that they wanted, and that was like my first. Real, legitimate. I started the LLC. I paid for lawyers, brought up. It was legal. I wasn't selling no dope or nothing like that, right? (laughs) And it was my, and it fell too. God damn it. Right, that's what happens. Is entrepreneurs, right? We expect it to be like this straight line of success and be like doesn't oh, work that way. has been to gold. No, it's not. But it failed too. But I made a shit ton of money before it failed, which happens to a lot of entrepreneurs too, right? You don't have any money. You don't come for money. You washing cars for twenty thousand dollars a year. Then the next thing you know, you make a million dollars two years later. I might as well have won the lottery, man. I was doing ridiculous shit with it. I might as well have had like gold handle faucet <laughs> and meat socks and shit like that. I don't know what to do with that kind of money. And I lost it and blew it all right, like most people. People do but again I learned some strategic lessons and I've been on the roller coaster a few times since then but for about the last six years I've been on a pretty good steady rise and I've, I've made enough mistakes and failed enough as an entrepreneur to be able to keep everything in check these days
0: so I want to hear so you, you made a million you made a bunch of money and you blew it away so did you just spend it on the cars the the drugs alcohol like wh- what do you spend it on like what was one learning point for people out there that are making some good money so they don't spend it all and
1: go through that, that same problem you had. Well, with me, I'll tell you, cause this is a really good lesson, uh, actually, you know, cause a lot of us, like I said, we come from, they say humble beginnings, but that means we came up broke as fuck, right? <laughs> like that's just what happened. <laughs> yeah. And so, and that's just a nice way of saying our parents didn't have their shit together. Just think about it. Like, that's a nice way. We say we come from humble beginnings. That's a nice way to saying our parents didn't have their shit together. And so we say we come from humble beginnings and our parents didn't have any money. And then we get into money and we don't know what to do with money because most of the people that we grew up with and our parents grew up with and everything else didn't come up with money. You know, like even Robert Kiyosaki talks about I had a rich dad and then I had a a normal dad like the rest of everybody else in America, right? (laughs) And the rich dad is the one that he learned from. He ignored everything that the quote-unquote poor dad knew, right? And so – what happened with me was when I started making this money, I bought a car and a truck, and, but I made 700 in 2005, Like let's say 2003 in November, I was rescued from washing cars. By the time 2005 had ended, I had made 773 thousand dollars in from January to December in 2005. Now that's gross. That I didn't get to keep all of it, and you know all the, how all that stuff worked. But I yeah. had to keep a lot of it, right? And so I, I bought cars through you know company cars. I bought office space. I hired people and gave them salaries that probably didn't deserve to have a salary. You know what I mean? But I didn't. That's not how I lost my money. This is how most entrepreneurs lose their money. That. I, you know, there, I, there comes a point where you think, you know, you're making, let's say at 700 grand a year. I wouldn't mean I was making about, let's say 60 G's a month, uh, a gross income. There's only like the first couple of months. It's like, okay, man, I can really use this money six or seven months into making that kind of money. You're like, well, shit, I'm out of things to buy at this point, right? Like, I have everything that I want. I got a freaking car, jet ski, motorcycle. What the hell else am I going to spend this money on? So you start looking to expand your business and things like that, right? At least I'm, I'm in my 20s at this time, so I didn't know all this stuff. <laughs> but so what happened to me, though... Was got a little bit too big for my britches. I moved back to the small town that I initially was arrested for selling drugs in, and I come back and I'm like, look at me now. I you know I got this big house and all these cars, and I'm King Killer Cap Pillow Big Winger. You're like I'm this guy. You know what I mean? Like I'm the like I'm the yeah. top dog. And the, and the man, the city council people didn't like me too much i start having parties and shit like that at my house wolf of wall street style things like that (laughs) and so the cops they kind of start hating on me right they're like dude we just arrested this guy four years ago for some drug shit now he lives in the richest neighborhood in the city and he's always having all these people over and shit like that he's got to be selling drugs again they thought i was selling drugs again they kicked in my door i wasn't selling drugs i'd have no drugs in my house i got no interest in that shit whatsoever right they kicked in the door of my house with no evidence thinking i was selling drugs again and were totally surprised that i wasn't yeah And so then they put some charge about guns and stuff like that. But long story short, uh, and all that's in my book, Hardcore Closer, if you want to read more about it. But the long story short is what got my money was fighting legal fees, right, from haters, which it could have been the police, it could have been somebody who sued my company, it wasn't, in my case, it was the police and the legal system, but it could be somebody that sues your company, it could be anything, right, so I'm actually spending legal fees to defend myself for something I didn't even really do, if you think about it, but on the flip side, I went through a divorce at this time because I went through some stressful stuff, and here's what costs most entrepreneurs their money, and most people that become successful their money, what makes them lose it, is like, when you go from one place and you marry somebody, And then you become successful. Well, you're a different person and the person you marry may not be a different person. And so oftentimes that leads to divorce. You know, a lot of people join my program, they go through it, they get real big, they realize, what am I doing with this person? We're not on the same page anymore, and shit happens, right? Yeah. Or the person says, You're way too successful, I don't deserve you, and they back out, right? Like there's both sides of that equation that happens, and that's what costs a lot of people. They get sidetracked with divorce, they lose their money. That's what happened to me. The the p- police, I'm over here fighting this legal battle with the police for some shit that I didn't do that they made a mistake on, and then all of a sudden I'm going through divorce and she's bleeding me dry over here, too. And it's almost then all all of a sudden I'm like dude I wish I wouldn't have bought these cars and you know, <laughs> this, game, all this shit because I'm having to do this just to live at this point you know and uh and that's what got me to the point where I had to submit I ended up like you know going through divorce then I ended up doing another fifteen months in federal prison behind some shit that I didn't even do right doing another fifteen months in prison so when I went in there the second time around I just kind of got my head on straight and I was like how can I protect myself from ever going through this again and once I was released that's when I have Still had a rocky road, but that's how I uh, so, so what would be your biggest learning point? Because you went through a
0: lot of shit there. Um, I yeah, mean, through I the had divorce, through jail. Yeah, to say the least. I mean, you went through a lot of fucking shit. So what, what would be your, like, just one thing you took away from that? Don't, I mean, is it, don't buy the flashy stuff and show it all off? I mean, what'd you learn from that whole shit that went down?
1: Well, you know, I, I, uh, I'd sit here. I don't want to take up too much time and tell you the story of how it happened, but like looking back at it, and it's all in my book, Hardcore Closer, but looking back at it retrospectively, I'm like, that series of shit, that literally shit, had to happen in order for me to do what I'm doing today. Because I couldn't stand in front of you and tell you this story and this testimonial about how I went from the penitentiary to the penthouse to one of the richest neighborhoods in all of Texas and and have this conversation with you about how we're helping thousands of people and everything else on a regular basis if I hadn't gone through that. My story wouldn't be so miraculous. You mentioned some of my competitors before we got on this together, and their stories will never be as triumphant as mine because they haven't had to go from that you see what I'm saying? But if I hadn't gone from that, that wouldn't give me as much credibility. And you know what's amazing is if I had gone through that, I wouldn't get messages like I do every single day from random people that are like, I've been through prison and now I'm the top producer in the sales industry that I'm in. Or I've been through hell from a divorce and now I've you know, taken back my life and got kids and a new wife and started all over and everything's perfect. And these guys and women that have these stories that otherwise can't tell somebody else because they don't know what it's like to go through those things. But since I went through them, they can share their real, true, raw feelings with me and know that I understand from an empathetic side because I've been through it or ask me for my opinion or what I did because they know that it's not just some theory that I actually had to go through it.
0: So I would say the great takeaway to have here is, for one, embrace your story, the struggles you have, use it to your advantage, not to your disadvantage. You've done that. And now, I mean, you're doing a lot of great things. So you went from you're making a lot of money to going into penitentiary and then building yourself back up. What was the process like building yourself back up the second time around?
1: Well, you know, I'd like to tell you it was all rainbows and sunshine, but it's a pretty fucked story too, man. <laughs> so I get out of, of prison in 2008, July. Right. And, uh, you wouldn't even believe this, I actually went to jail two days before I had to turn myself into federal prison because of the whole divorce situation, it was a whole fuck thing, right, so I get out in July of 2008 well, if you'll remember in 2000, so the whole time that I'm sitting in federal prison, like my friends are killing themselves, they're losing their job the mortgage industry's yeah. imploding right, remember all that shit, so yeah. I get out in 2008 and they're like, the shit that you used to do ain't cool to do no more Mr. Stumann, have a good afternoon, Nice, nice job starting all over not my shit, dude. Could you could you imagine like I hadn't even seen Facebook. Facebook existed while I was in there like I, before I went in, no Facebook come out there's Facebook, right? Yeah. Like so like the things have changed drastically in those 15 months. My my industry completely overhauled and then, like technology and social media has come out right now, MySpace and, and Facebook are fighting each other. So I like came out to the world's like, "What in the hell happened to you guys? I'm gone for 15 months, and y'all told." It's like I felt like I left my kids at home alone, and the parents are gone. Right, like, everyone, 15 months, and you guys fucked everything up here. What are you doing, right? <laughs> so. I, uh, I go in 2008 and I, I beg for a job. Like I see all these different places closing down. Like I got one job and a week later it closed down. Like I got a job as a mortgage person. A week later the place I got a job at closed down and I'm like, shit, man, these banks are imploding. There's even a website, mortgageimplode.com. And you can see every day they were adding new banks to it. So I went and got a job with the strongest – bank in Texas, the biggest privately held bank in Texas. Their advertising campaign was still strong. They were going to make it no matter what. They had good reserves. You know, the the owner was fiscally responsible and I went in there and I closed them on hiring a two-time felon to give me a chance, man. I mean, it took me two hours. I did not take no, they must've told me no 15 times in that interview, but dude, this, but that, but this man, just give me a shot. I will make you guys money and it will make up for any misjudgments I have made in the past. Just trust me. And so after about two and a half hours of negotiating with them and then a week of going back and forth, threatening to come back up there and sit down for another two hours (laughs) they gave me a job, right? And so I went through their training and I'll remember day one, I sat down in my cubicle and the dude that had been through training with me sat down at his cubicle. Two hours later, he's like, man, none of these leads are about anything. And two hours later, I was like, dude, I just took five applications. What are you talking about? <laughs> right? next thing you know, I'm like fixing to be making $20,000, and I barely just started there. And this guy's complaining. I was like, man, they, you know, I'm hungry as hell. This dude ain't. You know, he came from a salary somewhere, probably worked out a better deal than I did. I didn't get no sign-on bonus or nothing. I just went to work. <laughs> and so – Within about a month, I got we'll say 60 days conservatively, I was by far the number one dominant force in that entire company, right? Like I was doing more loans than anybody. Then I hired an assistant. I had my own dedicated processor, and I end up like, you know, getting the corner office in the biggest corporate building and becoming their poster child. 2010 comes around. And 2009 was the worst record, the worst year to do mortgages on record, but I killed it, man. I did 183 loans, man. I was crushing nice. it. I was one of the top guys in America. 2010, the US government passed a law called the Dodd Frank Act, and they said that felons can no longer do mortgages, and boom, my whole career what? was gone. What yeah,
0: the I fuck? Yeah, I went from making
1: like 300 grand any time when people were like committing suicide and killing it to like nothing gone. So now let me remember, sold drugs got busted, right? Started a mortgage company, got rich, they pulled me on some bullshit charges that weren't even real. Then I finally get out, reinvent myself, work for the number one bank, and then boom, they pull my license and I can't work for them anymore. And the bank was like, hey, you can still work here, man, we'll hook you up. And I was like, oh, hell no, because if something goes wrong, y'all are going to point the finger like he made us do this shit, you know what I mean? Like, y'all got a lot more to lose than I do. I'm not stupid, I'm out. And so that... That that week that I left, it was like March of 2010 because that was when everything kicked in. The week that I left, I went and was going to ask one of my friends for a job uh, doing inside sales for him and to try to reinvent myself once again. And he gave me these CDs from this dude named Ryan Dice. You probably heard of Ryan, yeah. And he gave me these these CDs and he's like, "Man, these DVDs cost me eight thousand dollars, and like this is like the cheapest bastard I know, right?" And I'm like, "Somebody got you for eight grand, tell <laughs> me more, tree, right?" And he's like, you can borrow them for a couple of days. And and so I did. And I didn't ask him for a job. I was like, I'm going to watch these CDs or these DVDs or whatever first. And uh, I went to my computer that night and I put the DVD in there. And I remember watching Ryan Dice's Continuity Blueprint. And I remember thinking like, oh, shit, dude, I'm going to be an internet millionaire, right? Well, I'd like to tell you that like next month that happened. But like after four years of pain and suffering and everything else <laughs> that you have to go through in this business, <laughs> it finally did come true, right?
0: So you learned from the Ryan Dyson. At that point, you decided you want to become an entrepreneur, correct?
1: Yeah, yeah. At that point, I I heeded the calling. I was like, this is what it is that I am. Okay, well, this makes sense. This whole time, it was like, I, I mean, it must be like, you know, like, just, I was confused on life. You know, what do I do? I was like, I thought I was supposed to be a banker. That shit ain't right. I thought I was supposed to be a gangster rapping drug dealer. That shit ain't right. I thought that I was going to be this lifestyle connections person. That ain't right. What the hell? And then it seemed like when I saw this, it wasn't like, Hey, I'm going to be a sales trainer. That wasn't the thought, right? It was like, Hey man, I'm going to be able to use the knowledge and experience that I have to change a lot of lives. I just got to figure out how the hell I'm going to do it.
0: So what, what, what was the first thing you did? I mean, I always like to learn the things you did wrong in the process because, I mean, it's hard. I mean, I always like to talk about overnight success, years in the making, and you clearly had that. So talk about them years of trying to build up your online awareness and to make money. What were some of the struggles you went through and what was your like breakthrough where you're like, shit,
1: now I know how to do it? Well, if you if you'll notice, there's a reoccurring theme here, right? I'm like, <laughs> yeah. oh, shit. This guy's a fucking like this guy's got <laughs>
0: fucking <fish laughs> roller coaster. He's even still alive. <laughs> yeah,
1: he still got all of his hair and everything. What in the hell? Um, but so what happened with me is I I started off made my first. I followed the continuity blueprint. I made my first info product, and it was how. To get money back on a transaction, if you do this, long story short, it's some banker shit, right? Yeah. And so I did some really cool banker shit, and I ran an ad on Google to some bankers. And I'm like, hey, cool bankers, if you want to do some cool banker shit and make some extra banker money, I got the way to do it. All it cost you is like, I think it was 97 bucks or something like that, right? Well, I sold, let's say I put, let's let's say that I, I put $5,000 in advertising money, and I made $30,000 in in like so, a twenty five thousand dollars profit from selling these things, right? And I was like, "Oh shit, man, here we go. It's on, dude. This is it. I'm gonna be a. And this is like month one. I'm like, oh, dude, I like I hit the lottery with this. So like any buffoon in Vegas would do. I doubled down on my bet, right? And I like put all my thirty grand that I have, it's like every dollar to my name, right, into the account. And I'm like, we're gonna be rich, Rick James rich this month, right? Like I'm just gonna like all I gotta do is add more money. And I make more money, and we all win. It's gonna be awesome. So I put more money in there. And since I wasn't as uh, involved in the industry, I didn't realize that part of that damn act that cost me my license, one of the like further provisions they made six months down the road made it to where you couldn't do what I was teaching, basically. So all the people that bought the program asked for a refund, which was like $30,000. Plus, I spent the money in driving clicks on Google because Google still got me the clicks, so I still had to pay for them. It was just when people saw the advertisement, they're like, "Oh shit, you can't do that anymore. I'm not buying that." So, like, I double lost, and then I went into debt, right? And I was like, "Oh, dude, this is not how this is supposed to work. It's like, you went in to buy a lottery ticket, and the lottery ticket's like, now you owe me another hundred thousand dollars." <laughs> right? Like, hey, no, 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 that's not how any of this is supposed to work. And so, you know, I was in, in this like dire situation where I had to figure something out. And, uh, at that point, that's when I was introduced to this dude named Frank Kern. And, uh, I ended up, instead of paying Google, I just let that credit card expire. You know what I mean? And uh, (laughs) at the time it's all paid off now. I had to restart that account a few years ago, but at the time I just kind of like put that by the wayside, hustled up some money to work with Frank Kern and then started learning some other stuff. And, you know, over the course of four years, uh, I've been able to run a completely debt-free company. Like everything I've done has been, you know, paid, you know, if we put on credit, we pay cash at the end of the month. I don't have any business partners and I've paid at this point, you know, I've worked with Russell uh, Brunson, Frank Kern, uh, Ryan Dice, uh, shit, you name it JT Fox. Like you pretty much name it. I've worked with them at this point and, uh, it's still am I'm, I'm I've people money all the time to go out and, and meet them and get consultations and stuff like that from them but it's just been a long climb, man. It hasn't been easy. You know, a lot of people like to say, you know, do the hardcore closer guy. He came up out of nowhere, man. If you look this freaking hardcore closer Facebook page with 150,000 people or however many's on it, that thing started like in 2012, man, I've been building that thing forever. Yeah.
0: So what would be for doing your sales for courses and selling, what would be the lead, uh, like, what is the main traffic to them? Are you doing a lot of Facebook ads, or how are you selling people now? I mean, you obviously built up your brand, your name, which that helps, but how are you getting the majority of your traffic?
1: Yeah, through Facebook is by far the dominant force for our traffic. Uh, we get somewhere around a million people a week that view our posts and stuff like that, and the majority of my business is thehardcorecloser.com. And hardcorecloser.com is my blog. That's where we sell everything at. That's It has hundreds and hundreds of articles that I've written. I write for Forbes, Entrepreneur, Huffington Post, so I also drive traffic from those places back to my blog, backlinks and everything else. So my method is it's simple. I write a blog post. I advertise a blog post to my Facebook audience and to my email list. People go and read it half the time. Uh, people just read it disappear, but a good percentage of the time they go and they actually click on something. They become a lead. They buy some shit. They hit me up because they want to work with me personally or they want to speak in engagement or whatever the case is. See, so. see
0: oh, by the way, I love your website. You put a lot of great content there. The graphics you have, everything else. So you're doing blogging and you're doing podcasting. What do you think in your mind is one of the the top things or if we're putting content out there? Is it the blog for you and then retargeting with Facebook ads?
1: I think the blog is what separates the uh, men from the boys, right? In, yeah. In the sense of if you can – like it's – anybody can talk. Anybody can get on video. Anybody can do podcasts. We're like naturally inclined to be able to communicate. Many of us are naturally born communicators. Nobody's really a natural born writer if you think about it, right? No. And so, take the, some work and blog, thinking. <laughs> well, so all my life, I say that, or all my adult life, I say, hey, I'm an entrepreneur and people are like, oh man, he lives in his parents' basement. But now, people ask me, I say, oh, I'm a writer and then I sell online products for salespeople. They're like, oh, he must be super intelligent. Like, I, was, I, I, I got a, Golf, uh, what do you call it? A country club membership at the country club down the street. And the lady's like, Oh, you're an author. That's amazing. I know. Okay. Let's just call it that. (laughs) And so, uh, but because so many people wish they could write, whether it be a blog, a book or whatever the case, and they have a message, but they don't know how to effectively put it through their fingertips into the blog format. And I think that's, that's what separates, you know, and, uh, and that's definitely what's been the driving force for me. And now I didn't start off being a good writer, man. I have studied thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars of books and courses and programs and everything else over the years to get good at it. So I, I, you know,
0: I've, I blog regularly too. And you know, it it takes a lot of mind power and doing it. Like what would be your best advice for a blogger out there if they want to start blogging? Because blogging is a great way to drive leads and sales.
1: Um, what's your tip for that? Um, So if you want to start your own blog, that's cool. Get to work, right? Uh, If you're not wanting to be responsible enough to at least write one blog post a week, uh, then you probably need to see if you can write for another publication. There's all sorts of small blogs and stuff like that that you'll write for. The way to get one of them to let you write is to write the article in advance and then shop it around uh, just like you would if a script in Hollywood, you write the movie in, in advance and then you go see the producers and see if they'll read it and, let, and uh, ultimately produce it. It's the same with bloggers. A lot of people say, Hey, let me write an article for your site. And they're like, well, What kind of article on what? But if you show up and you're like, Hey, I'd like to put yeah. this article on your site, it's a game changer for them. So, uh, and not like I don't let people blog for me, but there's plenty of sites out there that do. Uh, And that would be the first thing. And if you get good at it that way, using somebody else's site and traffic and hosting and all that other shit, then that's when I would consider starting my own.
0: So let's jump into sales. I want to talk into selling and give you, I mean, on your website, I see you have some great articles here and everybody should check that out on your website. I mean, literally take it to the site and you got all the information there. But what are your top tips for selling and what do you see the major mistakes people making? And one I think I see is people just not asking for the sale. But what, what do you see as an expert yourself? Like, what are your top tips to learn how to sell something? And what do you see the majority of people doing wrong why they can't sell a damn thing?
1: Yeah. So, you know, a lot of people say what they do wrong is not ask for the business. But if you do the process right, you don't have to ask for the business. So, I, I think the number one thing that people do wrong when it comes to sales, they just talk too fucking much. And uh, people have this whole. Uh, what is it, this whole persona of how a salesman should be, and it should be some fast-talking, slick, jive, suit, like, you know, Ari Gold type of personality. Well, that's fine. Those people are effective salespeople. Uh, That's not how you have to be these days, and really, those people sometimes are obsolete. They're not the salespeople like they're portrayed on uh, one way on the silver screen they're another way in real life. Uh, you know, for example, mortgage people, and real estate people, oftentimes there's like pictures of them on the sign and all that stuff, right? Like nobody gives a shit when you look like lady, can you sell the fucking house or not? Yeah. Right. Like nobody wakes up in the middle of the night and goes, Hey, I hope we find a sign with a redheaded realtor on it that can move our house. Right. Like that's only weird people do that shit. Trust me. You don't want to do business with those folks. But what people do say is they say, Hey, we need to move. Right? or we need to sell our house, or we need a new house, or whatever, or I'm pregnant, or I lost my job, or I got a new job, or raise and bonus, or de- de- you know, degraded at my job, or whatever the case, right? And so, what you need to do as a salesperson is listen. You see, because here's the thing, most people don't listen. People don't, people aren't listened to, like the prospect goes through work. His boss don't listen to him. His employees don't listen to him. His wife don't listen to him. His kids don't listen to him. His dog barely listens to him. The TV don't listen to him. His Facebook friends might listen to him, but he thinks they're all douchebags because they're voting for Hillary anyway. And like this whole thing, right, that like we surround ourselves and then as you as a salesperson show up, you have an opportunity to listen to a person, extract their problem and offer them an opportunity to solve it in exchange for commission. And then what does the salesperson most of the time do? Blah blah fucking blah man and then then they wonders like I don't know how I, I blew that sales. It's like well he didn't even tell you what the hell he wants cause you were too busy trying to tell him what he should do. So my biggest advice, what I'm getting at is to shut up and listen. Oftentimes people will tell you what they want to buy if you'll just listen. And maybe sometimes you don't sell what they want to buy. Build a referral network. Somebody else will sell it and they can send you referrals. You can send them referrals, right? Figure out how what they need fits into your plan and what you sell as well. But you'll never know any of that shit if you don't shut up and listen to what they want. I'll tell you this. If you take a transcript of your next sales call, Right. And we say there's always somebody that wins on a sales call. The prospect wins if they don't if they don't buy and you win if the prospect does buy. Right. If you transcribe that call, whoever used the most words is the person that lost. So if the prospect talked the most, they bought. If the salesperson talked the most, they did not buy. And so think about that. Anytime you can transcribe anything, the person that talks the most makes the least. That's my best advice for so you. Listen more, talk less. That's it. Two ears, one mouth, right?
0: <laughs> I like it. I like it. So you put, on, I put on events. Uh, I've been at events where they've charged two, three grand to go to an event, and they upsell twenty five thousand dollars masterminds. And I, I'm very fascinated with NLP and how people they structure the events where they can upsell. And I've seen three, four hundred thousand dollars sell in a matter of thirty minutes events. So what would be your advice on somebody? Let's say somebody wants to put on their own event. Uh, what is the strategy behind doing an event where you can get people to buy the higher package uh, levels at that? What What are some strategies you've used, or just some insight on how to do that? Because I know some people listening are looking to do their own events, create their own masterminds, and that's something I mean I do as well. What's
1: your insight on that? Well, if you deliver, if you deliver, it's bottom line, right? If like, people come and they pay eight thousand dollars to come to my seminars, mm-hmm. uh, I deliver. worth of value to them and they don't want to leave. They're like, Hey, how can I get some more of this? Yeah. That's the whole key. You know what? You don't have to use NLP. You don't have to use all this other, you can, there's nothing wrong with it. Right. You can, absolutely, because sometimes you have to trick people into making a good decision because people will run from good decisions and flock to bad decisions like a motherfucker. I don't know what it is about us, right? Like, it's again, it's like humble beginnings. Their parents made a bunch of bad decisions, so they think they've got to follow in their footsteps until they break free, right? (laughs) But with me, I don't do any of that NLP stuff or anything else. I'm just simply like, here it is. Deliver. And, like, let's say I charge somebody eight grand to come to an event, they're gonna make more than that eight grand back. Oftentimes, by the time they leave the event, they've already made their money back. And they're like, dude, if I could continue this process and only get better at it over the course of the year, and you're, the mechanisms to give you a little bit more money, I'm like, shit, that's a no brainer.
0: I like it. I like it. Well, you have four events here. What is the event if somebody wants to attend it?
1: Uh, breakfreeacademy.com.
0: Okay, is it, when's your next event happening? Is it this week,
1: And you say? Next one is in January 12th and 13th will be the next one for the, the public. We're sold out of the one going on next week, or this week, actually, it's in three days, shit. How how do you
0: find your leads for an event like that? Because it is a higher, I mean, $8,000 to go to event. How do you find leads and potential clients for going to something like that?
1: So, uh, we call it the elevator to the top. Nobody just shows up at my back door and's like, "Hey, let me let me give you eight grand. I just met you last night, right?" Like that's not how it happens. Yeah. Uh, what happens is they buy a book for ten bucks, the elevator to the top book. That's like that's what's called. It's on Amazon, uh, or they get one of our uh, couple hundred dollar digital training programs, and they get life changing results from it. And they're like, "How can I get more of this?" Just like I just told you. Uh, a second ago, it's like, hey, when they buy something from me, I deliver it, and they're like, dude, I want to keep giving you money because every time I give you money, I get more money, and that's the whole process. That that's like the whole idea behind everything I do. You give me two hundred, you get two thousand back. You turn around, you give me two thousand, you get twenty thousand back. You turn around, you invest thirty thousand yeah. dollars with me, you become a millionaire. Yep, I love it. I love it, man. So before we wrap up the
0: show, a couple things. You give great advice on selling. You have a great story, man. I love. You're, you're an awesome person. You just tell it how it is, and you've definitely been through this shit. So what is some of the best advice you've got in life and through your mentors? Because you are the average of the five people you hang out with. You want to find people that are very successful, learn from them. What's some of the great advice you've got over the years? And any advice you can give any young entrepreneurs that want to start their own endeavor?
1: Uh, You know, I, over the years, I couldn't just pinpoint one one thing uh, that other people have given me. Man, I've worked with so many brilliant people and uh, matter of fact, one of my, uh, close friends, I was out with him on Monday and he, he posted a screenshot to Facebook and he was like, you know, the five people you hang out with is who you become. And it was like me and Steve Aoki and, uh, the singer for the Rascal flats and Josh Altman, like all on the same little screenshot that he had been texting to right there. And, um, you know, so I, I am really, I think it's really important who you hang out with. And I've had a lot of good mentors, but if there's one thing I'd say to your people that uh, matters more than anything else, it's how you control your time. Uh, until you become effective at time management, you will never become rich. If you can't seem to get your ass somewhere on time, you will never have any money. If you can't seem to get your shit together and quick and get out of busy mode and get into business mode, because there's a big difference right? And if you if you can't ever manage your time effectively, you'll never have money. Oftentimes you look at people who are consistently late, they can't manage their time and they're broke as hell. There's a reason why that's a correlation because as you get more money, you have more responsibility. And as you have more responsibility, that means you have more shit to do but you still have the same amount of time you started with on the day you entered this earth. So you have to get better with your time before you can get better with anything else. And people often ask me, how do you have 13 companies you write for Forbes, Entrepreneur, Huffington Post, your own blog? You do a weekly podcast, you do two or three interviews every week and you have thousands of clients how do you do that because i'm fucking good with my time because if i wasn't there's no way i can make millions of dollars a year doing this shit because i wouldn't have time to manage it correctly and do what needs to be done amen to that <laughs> i love it i love it where can people pl- find you buddy uh hardcore closer.com or if you want to connect with me on social media go to clickso.com that's c-l-y-x-o.com forward slash closer that's got all my little social media stuff on it sign up it's free i own the company it's a uh, Clickso.com forward slash Closer. That's my company, my software that I give back to the sales community because there's too many damn social media sites to keep up with. So I don't even have shit to sell you on there. Just sign up and use it against Clixo.com forward slash Closer. Uh,
0: sounds good. Hey, great stuff, man. Uh, thank you for coming on the show. I appreciate your content. That's it for the show, everyone. In the meantime, go out there, create something great and become unforgettable because life is too short not to. I'm Brendan C. Adams. Have a great day, everyone. Hope you enjoyed the show with Ryan Steumann. Check out his website, HardcoreCloser.com. He has some great content there. And also, if you want to check out the rest of the notes for the show, go to BrennanTAdams.com. And also check out our new website. Everything we have there, we just launched our Accelerator program. We filled it 15 spots. It's fun. We're already making some big progress with our program. Check out the courses we have there and everything else we have to offer. I got my seven-day free crowdfunding course and other content for you. It's all for you. This is all for you. Hopefully each week I'm hoping you're learning something new and you're pushing yourself to think bigger and do things out of your comfort zone because that is the whole purpose of this. I want you to be able to take your business and lifestyle to the next level, do things that scare you, and become better because that's the whole point in life. That's how you live a fulfilled life. If you haven't done so already, follow me on Snapchat. BT Adams 18 Follow my life, everything I do. Got my own rally TV show on Snapchat, basically. That's what I call it. Snapchat is your own rally TV show. It's a great way to connect people and also to generate sales. So in the meantime, you know what time it is. Go out there, create something great and become unforgettable because life is too short not to. I'm Brandon C. Adams. Have a great day, everyone.